Welcome to Candid Catholic Convos, a program brought to you by the Catholic Diocese of Harrisburg. Our mission is to humanize the church and help you to grow in your faith, love, and understanding. I'm your host, Rachel Trochet, a cradle Catholic who's only human and struggled with faith on more than one occasion. Each week, you'll hear engaging, down-to-earth interviews and actionable strategies you can implement into your life with ease to help you grow closer to God. If you're ready to open your heart and step fully into the person God created you to be, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Candid Catholic Convos. Today, we're tackling another very hard and vulnerable topic, an invisible cross that many struggle with silently and in the shadows. Today, we're talking about the cross of infertility. If you've ever asked a woman when she's getting pregnant or why she hasn't given her parents a grandchild yet, or if she plans on having a girl or a boy on top of the children they already have, and you've been met with an awkward giggle or darting eyes, I want you to stop for a moment. The intimate details of whether or not a couple has been blessed with the gift of children are just that, intimate. It may also trigger a flood of emotions because one in eight couples are burdened with the invisible pain of infertility. For the first almost five years of our marriage, my husband and I were one of those couples. As you heard me say in the intro, I've struggled with faith on more than one occasion. This journey through infertility is probably the most definitive time of struggle in my faith that I can remember. At the time, we seemed to be surrounded by pregnant women and couples announcing their first, second, or third child, all while we tried to smile happily for them and mask the pain of our emptiness at the same time. So when someone asked us a well-intentioned question like, when's it going to be your turn? It stung. A lot. As I mentioned in a previous episode, I struggled with endometriosis for most of my life. In the beginning, I was in a considerable amount of pain, which prompted doctors to perform exploratory surgery, and we discovered what was going on. But many women aren't plagued by pain and never even know they have it until they're trying to conceive, which is what happened to me the second time I needed surgery. At the advice of our doctor, we tried to conceive on our own for over a year. It wasn't until after that whole year and the charting that I had been doing showing some irregularities in my cycle that we were considered for a second surgery. It was successful because six months later, we finally conceived. But nine weeks after that, we lost our first baby. Not very many people even knew we were pregnant. So the pain of the loss was held deep inside. There's no real closure for a miscarriage. No funeral. Not even a chance to say goodbye. I was so angry with God. Angry because I felt called to be a mother. That's all I wanted in life. So why wasn't he letting me have it? The ones who knew of our trials harmlessly suggested adoption, 
And while I admire those who can adopt, we couldn't financially afford it, which felt like another punch in the gut, another setback in our journey. Eventually, we were able to conceive and maintain not just one, but three healthy pregnancies, though they weren't without their own unique trials. And although my arms are no longer empty, that ache is one I won't soon forget and wouldn't wish on my worst enemy. For many couples, that pain may never go away. Infertility affects both men and women, physically and emotionally. The worst part, though, was feeling isolated. It felt like we were in the desert alone, searching for an oasis that others had been able to find, but we couldn't. It wasn't until I started opening up about my story publicly that I found a tribe of other women who were also struggling. Today, I'm honored to share the microphone with Ann Koshute, co-founder of Springs in the Desert, and Caroline Ginhart, a nurse practitioner at Divine Mercy Women's Health in Enola, to share with us their journey and advice for couples currently in a season of infertility. Thank you, ladies, so much for joining me today. I'm really excited to have you here. Could you both tell me a little bit about yourself? Sure. My name is Anne Koshute, and I have been married to my husband for almost 11 years. It'll be 11 years this June. I grew up in the coal regions of Hazleton. He grew up in western Pennsylvania, so we were kind of an east-west mixture. We found each other a little bit later in our lives. We married later. We're both cradle Byzantine Catholics, so that makes us a little bit a little bit different too. And in my professional background, I hold a Master of Theological Studies from the Pontifical John Paul II Institute for Studies on Marriage and Family in Washington, D.C. So I was super steeped in the beautiful theology of marriage and family that that comes from John Paul II and, and also just the rich tradition of the church. And for um, seven years, I worked in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia as Assistant Director of Family Life, doing marriage prep and just really, I think, in that time, learning a lot from couples and from, you know, the different struggles that you might face in marriage. Part of that time that I spent in Philadelphia, I was unmarried. So um, in many ways, it was a real formative experience for me. There's no playbook to marriage. Nobody can teach you what to do or how to kind of tackle every, you know, difficulty or challenge that comes in marriage. But, you know, really having that grounding in the Lord and, and the sacraments and knowing that the church is with you and loves you, I think is so important and crucial for every marriage. Oh, my name is Caroline Gindhart. Um, I'm a nurse practitioner at Divine Mercy Women's Health, and I'm also uh, trained as a Creighton model fertility care practitioner, where I teach couples the Creighton model of um, natural family planning and a nephrotechnology medical consultant. I've been a nurse practitioner for almost three years now. Before that, I was a postpartum nurse, and I recently moved to the area from State College, um, where I grew up after my family was in the military, kind of moved around everywhere, and I grew up with my six younger siblings, um, and also grew up within within the church, Roman Catholic Church. Very cool. Well, welcome to the area. <laughs> Thank you. 
And and it's so funny you mentioned that you're 11 years married in June because we're 11 years married in July. So that's pretty pretty awesome. Oh, yeah. And awesome. we got married in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia as well. Could you tell me a little bit about how Springs in the Desert came to be and what is your primary mission? Yeah, definitely. So the mission of Springs in the Desert is to be a place of accompaniment and support for those who are struggling with infertility. Primarily, it's women who find us, but more and more we have been working with couples together, with women, with men. We have a really thriving um, men's ministry as, as part of Springs in the Desert that's really growing. But basically, we're here to acknowledge and walk with those who are struggling with infertility, wherever they are on the path. So whether you're at the very beginning, you're just finding out that you're having difficulty conceiving, if you've been kind of at this for a while and you're just getting tired, or if you're starting to move on to kind of a new horizon in your life, we, we want to be there to walk with you. Kind of the reason that we started this ministry, myself and my partner, Kimberly Henkel, is because we were struggling through infertility and couldn't find really the support that we needed. We know that the church loves us. We know that she walks with us and believes that our marriages are good. But I think so often, whether it's pastors or you know, just our, our fellow parishioners in the pews, they don't always realize or understand the challenge and the difficulty that we are going through. So, you know, for many years, I struggled. I I went to a NAPRO doctor. I know we'll talk about that in a minute. You know, we did treatments. We, we did what we could. But um, it was very frustrating and very difficult, spiritually difficult, emotionally and physically difficult. And I didn't talk about it with anyone apart from my mom and dad and my brother and a couple of really close girlfriends. I didn't share it with anyone. Some years after I graduated from the JP2 Institute, I went to a conference at Notre Dame and I sat at dinner with Kimberly Henkel, who was also a graduate of the JP2. We had not seen each other for years. And we just sat there and were catching up with each other and the keynote speaker happened to be a woman who also struggled with infertility and adopted children. And Kimberly began to open up that she was considering adoption because they had been struggling with infertility. And it was like my eyes just opened up and I saw another woman before me who was feeling the same kinds of things that I was. And as I said, I had never spoken about it with anyone else, not, not those real feelings. And I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that I was ashamed. You know, I felt embarrassed that, that we were unable to conceive. I felt less of a woman, less of a wife. I wondered if God was punishing me. You know, I was confused. I was hurt. I was angry. I was sad. I was so many different emotions. And Kimberly expressed those very same things. So that was like a revelation to me. And we, we stayed in touch after that. And, you know, we kept talking about it and, and you know, what can we do? Where, where can we find support? And finally, we were asked to write an article for the online journal for the John Paul II Institute. It's called Humanum. 
And they asked us to write an article together about infertility. And so we titled it Springs in the Desert. And we just wrote about this need for real pastoral accompaniment for, first of all, acknowledgement that infertility is not just a challenge or a difficulty, but it's something that we really grieve. And for so long, I had resisted that notion because I've never been pregnant myself. So I thought, well, I haven't lost anything. I have no right to grieve. And that's not true. This is a real loss in, in our lives when, when we're going through this difficulty. And so we wrote about that and just that need for, for a pastoral accompaniment that we can be seen, that we can be heard, and that we can be loved and that we can know that our marriages are good and that they are fruitful just as they are. Wow. I'm like, hearing you say that is like, you just looked in my diary of all the emotions that I walked through. And it's it's insane. And I hope that whoever needs to hear this episode is hearing it and learns about your organization so that they too don't feel yeah. as alone as we felt. So you mentioned the Nepro technology. Caroline, you also mentioned that you are, that's one of your specialties. Could you talk to me about what led you to this specific form of, of medicine and that specialty? Yeah, absolutely. So when I was in high school and trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life, I was either going to go study theology or I was going to go into nursing. I had a reversion back to my faith when I was 16 years old through Theology of the Body and through um, studying the Sermon on the Mount in my high school religion class. Um, but I also had six younger siblings and just loved taking care of them. And so I ultimately decided to go into nursing. I went to Penn State for undergrad and um, my sophomore year of college, I read a book called The Napper Technology Revolution by Dr. Hilger. So it's kind of like the lay version of what we lovingly call the big black book in Napro, which has like kind of our all of our protocols and things like that. So as soon as I read that, like I just knew like that was what I was meant to do because it perfectly blended my growing love of women's health. I was at my youngest brother's uh, birth. And so like after that, I knew I wanted to go the women's health route, and it blended women's health with the teachings of theology of the body. Um, and I'd grown up with, you know, knowing what NFP was and the church's teachings. And also just when I read this book, also saw like how that my own irregular cycle started to make sense. So it resonated with me. And so I went through nursing school at Penn State, and then I went straight into family nurse practitioner school at Penn State. I also worked as a postpartum nurse, which was extremely, extremely helpful, fruitful, because I really got to work one-on-one -on -one with women and really just saw that women needed to be affirmed in their roles as mothers and that it was part of my job to kind of do that and help equip them with the confidence in as much as you can in 48 to 72 hours um, before they're discharged from the hospital. And so that just kind of further reinforced that I loved working with women. And so then I went to family nurse practitioner school, which I had a very kind of broad education. And then I did my women's health rotation with the group of NAPRO providers at Holy Spirit. Um, and then after I graduated, it didn't kind of work out to get a, a NAPRO job. So I went into family medicine. Um, I worked that for a year and a half. And then at the same time, 
went to get training at the St. Paul VI Institute in Omaha, Nebraska in the Creighton model and NAPRO technology because I knew I didn't want to start my career without those tools in my toolbox for patients because I knew that I was not going to prescribe contraception um, as a nurse practitioner. And so after um, a year and a half of working in family medicine, I did eventually get um, a job at uh, Holy Spirit OBGYN. And then we just recently transferred to Divine Mercy Women's Health. So I ended up kind of, it's kind of crazy how it all happened. Like God is so good. Like he knew like exactly what I needed and put this like seed in my heart, like as a, uh, a sophomore in college and kind of seen it through. So, and I just, I love it so much. Like, it's just, I know that it's like where I'm supposed to be and God's so good. <laughs> Absolutely. That's, that's wonderful to hear how it kind of it really just came full circle. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, how did you become involved with Springs in the Desert? Yeah, so Anne had um, reached out to Dr. Whitaker, who's our NAPRO physician, to ask her to speak at her upcoming retreat. And Dr. Whitaker's going out on maternity leave at that time. So Dr. Whitaker then mentioned me. And so, and then Anne came to, to talk to our nurse practitioners, nurses, Dr. Whitaker, about her ministry, because we've kind of recognized, which I'm sure we'll get to, the emotional, physical, mental toll that infertility takes. And we want to make sure that we offer patients all of those resources because we can't provide all of those things for them. And we do in some way, but not as kind of intimately as she can. So we've kind of been working together with that. Right. So piggybacking off of that a little bit, can you talk to me about NAPRO technology and how this type of medicine is beneficial or aids in addressing the unique nature of infertility? Yeah, so we recognize in NAPRO technology that infertility is a symptom of an underlying disease. It's not a disease in and of itself. And so um, the founder of NAPRO technology, Dr. Thomas Hilgers, he developed the Creighton model of natural family planning off of the Billings model. And as he saw uh, women, couples with infertility, he started to notice similarities in their Creighton model charting. So he developed this kind of associated uh, medical and surgical science called NAPRO technology that seeks to find that underlying cause of infertility. So when a couple comes to us um, suffering from infertility, we have them chart the Creighton model for a a few cycles. And then we begin an in-depth hormone workup because what she observes in her charting, the her mucus sign is highly correlated with ovulation. So we can know around the time of ovulation, so we can draw hormone levels around that time after ovulation. Um, do ultrasounds, other things to try to diagnose the cause of her infertility. Is it something like PCOS or thyroid issues or anatomical issues or endometriosis, which is a, we recognize as a surgical disease. So those are kind of the most common causes. And then we, after we diagnose it, we treat it in a way that cooperates with a woman's natural cycle. So doing nothing to kind of skirt around it, like with in vitro fertilization, where you kind of just ignore what's going on underneath, but truly figure out what's going on and, you know, replace hormones or give her medicines to make her ovulate or supplements, diet, things that are going to enhance her fertility, reduce inflammation, or maybe 
surgery um, for endometriosis, which is a, a common cause of infertility. And so we kind of work together as a team, nurses, nurse practitioners, physicians, in treating the patient in that, that really holistic way. And it's just it's so beautiful because that's like what women need is to be understood and to be listened to and to create a treatment plan that's unique to them and unique to what their their desires are for their family. So it's it's very beautiful. It's very healing. A lot of our patients come to us because they've had friends, family members who have been healed not just medically, but just emotionally, mentally through what NAPRO technology offers. So it's just, it's really beautiful. Absolutely. And I think that's, I think that's absolutely incredible. Uh, the amount of power that and knowledge that you can gain from your own body is just, it's, blows my mind, just blows my mind. So Anne, we talked a little bit about the mental toll that infertility kind of takes on us, but it's such a private struggle. I mean, unless you're very open to speaking about it and like you've said, and like I've experienced, it's, it's something that is very difficult to be open about. So what are some practical ways that those on the outside, those who are closest to you that you've let in, can provide some support to somebody struggling with infertility? Yeah, that's a great question. And thank you for asking it, because I think that when we're faced with a loved one, somebody that we know who is suffering, and we don't know what to do, we kind of scramble. And sometimes we might end up kind of saying the wrong thing, or we might just resort to giving advice but one of the things that we would offer is to try to resist that temptation to give advice or to offer solutions. As Caroline shares, you know, NAPRO technology and just being able to chart your cycle and learn about your body is so wonderful um, and gives us such knowledge. And you're right, in many ways, it, you know, it gives us some, some power over our health. But ultimately, the power is in the Lord's hands. Um, and so while we may seek treatments to find solutions it's really those underlying health solutions that we want to get to. We want our bodies and our minds and our spirits to be healthy. So oftentimes when we're dealing with infertility, we're looking not so much for a solution from a loved one or even a pastor, but we just want their presence. You know, we want to know that they see us and they hear us and they love us. So I would say resist that that temptation and let your loved one, whether it's a woman or a man, kind of lead the conversation, be open to sharing, and then follow their lead. And just be a presence. Just tell them that you're praying for them. Ask if you can pray with them. Or just say, look, you know, I see you. I see what you're going through. I'm here. Sometimes we think we have to think of just the right thing to say when all we really need to do is to be present. And I think for those of us who struggle with infertility, yes, it is hard to talk about. I shared how difficult it was for me to open up. So not everybody has to be as open as going on a podcast and telling their whole story, right? But I think the more that we can kind of find it in ourselves to share with others, not the whole world, but with the people who are close to us, the better they will understand and they will know and learn how to support us. 
So for example, you might share this struggle with them and say, if someone in the family or, or if you become pregnant, here's how I would like you to tell me. You know, sometimes it's just a matter of talking to someone privately rather than having them discover it on Facebook um, so that they have a little bit of time to process it. You know, inviting those without children to be a part of your life and a part of your family, you know, including us, inviting us to dinner, inviting us to even do things with your family, with your kids. Those are the kinds of things that make us feel like we are part of a family. We're part of a community. One of the things that infertility does is isolate. It makes us feel like we're alone it makes us feel so radically other. And that's not what the church wants for us. That's not what Christ made us for. He made us for communion, for family, and for friendship. So, you know, I have a whole list of things, and you can certainly go to springsinthedesert.org and find more resources. But I think just, you know, being attentive and taking cues from that person, and just being present for them. That's amazing. And I'm definitely going to link your website in the show notes for anybody who's looking for resources to give to others in their lives. Do you have any advice for remaining hopeful and keeping the faith during such a trying season? Because from a personal standpoint, that was probably one of the hardest times during my faith that it was it was I stopped going to church I even remember I went to confession once and I basically yelled at the poor priest about you know God put this on my heart why can't I have it so could you talk a little bit about how to keep the faith yeah definitely and and I'm so glad that you asked that as well because this is another area where those of us who are struggling with infertility can can feel so isolated not just from the people around us, but but from God. And it can cause us to feel a lot of guilt, too. We might feel like I'm a bad Catholic, I'm a bad Christian. God doesn't love me because I'm not loving him back. Look, God is a big God. He can take it, right? So give it to him. Lay all that stuff out. You know, open up your heart. And when you're angry, give that to him. And when you're sad, give that to him. Give it all to him because he wants every single bit of it. So I would say prayer and, and you know, speaking honestly with God about what you're feeling. If you're somebody who likes to journal, I think writing it down is really great, especially if you have a hard time speaking it or you don't necessarily want to share these feelings with another person. One person, though, that we do really encourage you to share with is your spouse. When you're going through a season of infertility, wherever you are on that path, it is so crucial, essential for you to work on your marriage and that unity in your marriage. I like to say that it took me a while to learn this as I was going through this struggle with infertility, but I didn't marry an ideal. I married a person. I married my best friend and the man that I believe that God brought into my life to help me become a better woman, 
to have me help him become a better man and ultimately for us to get to heaven together. We can become so focused on kind of achieving that goal of a child. And listen, the desire for a child is natural and beautiful and placed in our hearts by God. But we can become so singularly focused on it that we almost forget about our spouse and even ourselves, and we just become focused on a goal. So always keep yourself grounded in Christ and grounded in your marriage and look for and embrace those opportunities for fruitfulness right now. We are all called to fruitfulness, whether we're married, we're single, we are a priest or religious, we're all called to give new life in this world. And if we're blessed to give it through the gift of biological children or adoptive children, that's wonderful. But there are so many other ways that we give life in the world. And so look for those ways. And, and there are things that, you know, we think, well, that's not being fruitful. That's not life-giving. But it is just smiling at somebody, offering some hospitality, uh, volunteering in your community, being a listening ear for a friend. All of that is fruitfulness. And for those of us in this struggle with infertility, we are a powerful witness to the love of Christ in the world. And we can be a powerful witness to the good of marriage because of so how hard we have to work at it, right? Every marriage is hard. Every marriage needs work. But when you're facing a challenge like this, it really is an opportunity for you to go grow closer to each other and closer together with the Lord. That's pretty powerful. Going through something as trying as infertility obviously takes a toll on mental health. What are some of the ways that couples can come together and combat that? Yeah, so kind of like Anne was saying, like it's such a part of a couple of women's desire to have a child, to be a mother. Like that's just like built into our DNA. Like that's how God made us and it's a good, beautiful desire. So that's why infertility is so devastating. And so just the whole, that in and of itself kind of takes a toll. But then there's, when you're going through the diagnosis, there's a lot of ultrasounds and labs, you know, every other day. And that initial workup just kind of takes a physical toll on you. And then you're kind of presented with kind of what we see as what can be contributing to the infertility. And then we start to treat it kind of cycle by cycle. And so I found that a lot of couples go through a lot of different emotions and thoughts kind of at different parts of the cycle, different parts of the treatment process. So, um, you know, couples will, will tell me that, you know, they feel like extremely anxious and pressured around the time of fertility because there's this pressure to perform because we're trying to have a baby. And so things like sex can be feel very forced between husband and wife when it, you know, obviously is meant to bring about children, but it's also supposed to bring you and your husband together. And so that can take a toll on the relationship, on your relationship with your spouse. 
And then to then there's that point where you know you know that you've you've probably ovulated or or think that you did, and then you're just waiting to take that pregnancy test. And there's certain medications that we give that you know if you take a pregnancy test, it's going to become positive, and you have to wait until a certain day to take that pregnancy test. So there's a lot of anxiety associated with that, and a lot of too you know if you don't get pregnant that cycle, just a lot of like guilt, like what did I do wrong? Is it because I wasn't eating cleanly enough or I didn't take all my supplements or I did this, this, and this. And there's just a a lot of guilt that women and couples put on themselves. And then if when they get their period, there's just a lot of despair and grief because I, you know, had hoped I was putting all of this work and effort into this cycle and I'm not pregnant. So you get your period and you, you kind of mourn the loss of not becoming pregnant. And then you kind of just have to, you know, pick everything up and start again another cycle. And so it's just kind of the same uh, cycle of emotions. And I, I notice a lot of women can feel like frustrated with their spouse too, because a lot of, you know, there's male infertility and there's, you know, there's female infertility and we try to optimize both. But when the woman is working so hard, taking all of these medicines, eating the strict diet, taking all of these supplements, she looks over at her husband and she's like, you know, you're not doing any of this. Like you don't see me, you don't see like the struggle like the cycle by cycle struggle that I'm going through. And so I talk to couples a lot about um, like mindfulness practices. So there's a really great book. It's called um, The Mindful Catholic by Dr. Greg Bataro that talks about mindfulness, which is a practice that really just helps to kind of ground you in the present moment because really anxiety comes from worrying too much about the past or the future. Um, And I see just high anxiety levels in couples undergoing um, infertility and infertility treatment. And so it's really what's behind it is kind of grounding yourself in the present moment and identifying what those emotions and feelings are and verbalizing them and then helping helping to kind of cope with them and to assess like the lies that we believe and things like that. And so I find that that's extremely helpful. You know, when you're in your, uh, you know, the peak time of your cycle and you're, you're trying to, to conceive during that time, telling your husband like, hey, I feel a lot of pressure right now and I really just want to enjoy you. So is there something that we can do, like go on a date or do this or that so that I can feel like closer to you during this time because I'm feeling a lot of pressure. So communication is key and identifying your feelings and like was saying like God can take it like taking that to prayer too because it these they're very strong hard emotions to deal with and so I talk a lot about that with my patients and two like even seeing a counselor because you and your husband are going through this together day in and day out your close family members and friends too if you know they they're you know kind of feeling that burden with you so it can be hard to talk to them about your struggle. So it's helpful to have someone on the outside to to talk to and identify what your emotions are and help you to kind of work through all of those things. So we we just recommend that for all of our patients that it might be helpful to see a counselor. And even, you know, in some circumstances, medications can be helpful too. But just in general too, to support health, like good mental health for everyone, anywhere, no matter what you're kind of going through in life, making sure you get enough sleep 
and exercise and eating well and just doing things that like bring you to life. So if it's like going for a spa day or going out to brunch with your sister, like whatever it is, like do those things that like bring you to life in when you're undergoing a stressful time. So those are just some kind of general things that I I recommend for my patients and, and their spouses because it it does. It takes a mental health toll. And two, you know, a lot of couples struggle with, you know, when, you know, if they're not pregnant after a certain amount of time, is there a time that we should kind of stop treatment or take a break? And I admire my patients so much who decide to take a break because they realize the mental health toll that it has on them, how it's affected their relationships, and they just need to kind of step back. And that is like, it's so brave because they have such a desire for a child, but it's not, it's not a failure. It's just deciding that right now something is more important than undergoing the, the, the treatment process. Like a good discernment is choosing between two goods. It's good to have a child, but it's also good to work on your relationship with your spouse or your mental health or physical health or whatever it is. So know that if you're in that place to, and you feel like you're, you're questioning if you should take a break and step back and reevaluate, like that, that's a good decision and you're not giving up hope. You're just deciding that something's more important right now. So I, I admire my couples so much who, who make that big decision. And interestingly enough, we have had a lot of couples conceive during that time. There's something about just kind of taking that step back um, that just that can can be helpful. So, yeah, those are just some of my kind of general like observations and working with patients and kind of some things that I, I recommend. No, those are fantastic, tangible tips. So thank you. Mm-hmm. So, Anne, I love that Springs in the Desert has worked so hard at creating a community of like-minded women. And I love that the Diocese of Harrisburg is partnering with Springs in the Desert for a conference on March 27th. What can someone expect when they attend this conference? Right. So we are so excited to be able to partner with the diocese. And first and foremost, what couples or individuals who come on their own can expect is prayer and community. And we really believe that this is a powerful sign that the church is not only praying for us, but they are praying with us, that that the church acknowledges this difficulty and this challenge of infertility. And so it's an opportunity for those of us who are in a season of infertility, whether you are just starting out, you're you're actively trying to conceive, you're taking a break, you're someone who is entering into menopause or past childbearing years, we want to invite you to come. You know, we often will have women come to us who are in their late 50s and early 60s, and they will say to us, you know, I still mourn the fact that we weren't able to have children. And so it's not it's not something that is just for, you know, the millennial set who are trying to get pregnant. Though those wounds can can be carried on uh sometimes for many years if we haven't had friends or support or accompaniment. So that's one of the things that we're really excited to bring to this morning of prayer and reflection to have mass with Bishop Gaynor as our celebrant. 
and then to have um, a little bit of light hospitality and then just opportunities for couples and individuals who are on the same path, you know, wherever they are, but experiencing many of the same kinds of emotions and challenges to come together. So we'll have a couple of short reflections. We have a beautiful contributor couple from Springs in the Desert, um, Sydney and Bren Blackburn, who, um, who will speak on their kind of personal story of walking in a season of infertility. Um, then we'll have Caroline speak a little bit about the spiritual and emotional and, and marital health for those of us who, who are actively trying to conceive or, or who are taking a break. And then I'll talk a little bit about fruitfulness in general and, and sort of a more expansive notion of what it means to be life-giving in our marriages. We also want to make this an opportunity to invite people into our community and so to be supported by Springs in the Desert in any way that we can. And hopefully what we'd like to see is locally some some gathering, whether it's small groups or some periodic meetings, perhaps one day a retreat in the diocese for couples or or specifically for women, because the most important thing apart from that communication with our spouse and that growing closer to Christ is to be a part of a community, to know that you are supported and that you have people to walk along this path with you. We really think that that is so key so that we know that that we are not alone. That's wonderful. And I'm really glad that this event is happening. What's the best way for somebody who's interested in coming to register. So they should come to our website, springsinthedesert.org slash hope. And they can register there. The, the event is free, but we just would like to have a good count of how many people are going to be um, joining us. So they can go to the website. They can read a little bit more about it. And then while they're, they are there, they can see some of the other resources that we have available. But, you know, we just really would like to invite couples especially, but, you know, for, for a woman or a man who wants to come on their own, Sometimes a spouse isn't ready. We, you know, we most often find that with husbands. They're just, they're just not quite ready. And that's okay. We want to invite anyone who is in this struggle to come and just have an opportunity to pray together and to be uplifted and to know that, that there is hope, that there's hope in Jesus Christ, and that there is support for them. There's community, that they're not alone. That's amazing. Thank you, ladies, so much for taking time out of your day. And I am very excited for March 27th. And I hope you ladies have a great rest of your day and a great Lent. And we will see you on March 27th. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Our goal at the Diocese of Harrisburg is to walk with you on your faith journey. So if this episode resonated with you in any way, the easiest way to show your appreciation is by sharing this program with your network or by leaving a review on your listening platform. You can also support us financially by making a donation online at hbgdiocese.org slash D-A-C and clicking the make a donation button. Thanks again, and we'll see you at church on Sunday.